0: As a customer experience leader or manager your goal is to advocate uh, for what our customers need and you know going back to data that needs to be backed with mountains of data and mountains of, of uh, actual information tangible information that you can then
1: bring as, as kind of like proof or, or as an, an argument Welcome to 20-minute leaders just sit back relax and learn from the leaders of today it's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Loomitech, sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, UpWest Labs, Synergy Global, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, Birthright Excel, Serena Partners, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Leaders. Meet Deron Prelook, Vice President of Customer Experience at GlassesUSA.com. Deron is a leader in customer experience. With over a decade of experience scaling up customer solutions and professional services teams for companies such as Wix, Guesty, and now GlassesUSA, as an entrepreneur and business owner himself, Deron brings an array of knowledge about how to create outstanding customer experiences and teams. Doron Priluk, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Thank you so, so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Wow, we're going to have a great time. I, I have way too many questions to even begin talking about your incredible journey in some of the most incredible companies From Wix to VP customer experience at Guesty to VP of Customer Experience currently at Glasses USA, all incredible companies with many more in the middle that that I don't even have time to mention now, but are also incredible a a jolt instructor. But I have to start off with you as a coach for the Special Olympics. I know you're an athlete. What let's start over there. What what is that? How do you do that?
0: so that that takes me back like almost 20 years ago which makes me feel kind of old which is fine <laughs> i am kind of old um but actually i did it for a year um there's a there's a thing in israel called the uh, shnat or i guess uh, you know gap year community service here or whatever um and i lived in oh yehuda and we did a lot of educational stuff and for me, I was already into sports and I was looking for some like extracurricular volunteering type of activities to do. And I, I stumbled upon Special Olympics, um, ended up coaching soccer and basketball, and it was just exposed to an, an amazing international organization that until this day just does amazing, amazing initiatives, even in Israel to this day, by the way, so.
1: I love it. I actually watch much more of the Special Olympics than the regular Olympics. I think most people should transition most of their viewing time there because I think that there's too many life lessons Agreed. to be learned and too much inspiration Agreed. to be gained. Absolutely. Customer experience as yes. a position. Yes. What is that? <laughs> so it, it it's funny, you
0: know, I, I, I think a lot of people still... Um, to this day kind of get confused you know let's take a step back i think to me the best way to understand customer experience and when i when i teach my uh, my uh, customer experience course at jolt the first thing i do is i play a two-minute video by jeff bezos from 1999 it became super famous i think it was coined like the internet schmidternet uh, speech it was like an interview if you haven't seen it google it after and it's 1999 right um, and Jeff Bezos basically makes a whole sh- spiel about how customer experience is going to make or break Amazon. Uh, fast forward, you know, two decades later, he had some, some knowledge or some understanding of the value of customer experience. So today there's like, I, I don't know if I should call it streams or, or like, uh, different elements or, or schools that comprise the, the big a term or or a field of customer experience it can be support it can be self-service it can be a, a knowledge management it can be customer success by the way to me customer success is an integral part of the uh, of customer experience again obviously depending on the type of company brand service or whatever you're um you're talking about um but to put very simply and and i'm sorry if it sounds like a cliche but customer experience is how your brand makes customers feel. And again, mm-hmm. it's something I repeat all the time to my students and customer experience is, yes, we have KPIs and, you know, there's a lot of data and a lot of measurement and, and you have to be able to be data driven. but at the end of the day, it's also something very intangible that you can't really grab hold on and, and feel. And, and it's really about a whole like holistic, uh, set of things. That at the end just uh, incite and trigger emotions with your end customer or user. And right. I know
1: it. I know it's a bit. It's a bit vague, maybe, but that. that to no, me no, is, no. Is it, it makes perfect sense. But my question is, you know, I uh, throughout my my courses in this field, I you keep coming back to this moment of delight of the customer. Right. What is the delight moment, right? And right. I'm thinking to myself, wow, I wonder 20 years ago, did people ask themselves, what is the delight moment of our product? I, I I don't recall in literature or looking at case studies of companies 20 years ago, 30 years ago, right. that customers were so much in the forefront uh, to the effect that it is today. How do you explain this transition that, that we went under here?
0: Right. So that delight moment uh, that you're talking about was coined as the, the wow uh, Zappos mm-hmm. was like, uh, you know, very famous mm-hmm. to, to coining that that wow effect or wow moment. And, and a lot of companies try to mimic it to this day. Um, I I really think it's about uh, very carefully crafting a set of uh, different initiatives and different experiences and different touch points. Um, and it's really important to remember that the way customers feel, and again, I keep going back to feelings because emotions are a very strong uh, part of customer experience, okay? And again, we can measure everything, but at the end of the day, it's emotions, it's feelings. And customers have those emotions before they even use your product or your brand or your service. It begins way before that. It begins with word of mouth. It begins with some review they read on, on Trustpilot. It begins with some word of mouth or some post that they saw um you know on 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 any any type of social media platform um and it's just it, it there's so many so many elements and so many factors involved
1: uh, into that incredible and if you're looking at the way that you are thinking about customers within an organization you know 360 degrees and and now you have the customer portion of this organization early 2022 i feel a little confused about You know where priorities are. When to get? When to start thinking about this concretely within our human resources? What? How big a part is in our team? How do you go about resolving this as a leader, as vice president of customer experiences, not in one but in several organizations? And having seen this transition, the world has gone through in the last twenty years. Great question. So first i'll start with a disclaimer i'm not
0: trying to bash any of my my amazing product uh, managers and product executive uh, colleagues but and again it's an it's a generalization also but i've seen in a lot of organization uh, organizations uh, product leaders the first thing they do when they talk about go to market or developing a new product or feature or whatever is they go and they do competitor analysis right what mm-hmm. do our competitors yes. do? What's what's out there? How do we break through the cluster and so on and so forth? And again, not all of them, but that is like the you know the the classic approach. And oftentimes, people, the, those leaders forget, and those product managers forget to go and do uh, customer interviews and go speak to customers and go understand exactly what the customer needs, uh, and then do some iterations, do some MVPs, and learn from that. Um, and I think when a big part of, of uh, being a customer experience uh, leader uh, in any type of company, any type of uh, organization is being able to, let's be honest, it's a, it's, a, it's a daily, I don't want to say war, but it's a daily struggle because the blanket is always uh, too small and resources are being pulled from every single direction. There's scarce resources, right? There's never enough uh, R&D and, and budgets and, and talents to, to do everything. And, and as a customer experience leader or manager, your goal is to advocate uh, for what our customers need. And you know, going back to data, that needs to be backed with mountains of data and mountains of, of uh, actual information, tangible information, that you can then bring as, as kind of like proof or, or as an an argument, um, but it, it's not easy, right? You you are basically uh, in the in the center in the heart of the company, uh, trying to uh, kind of like be the knight and and be that the that, that one person that's always putting the customer or the customers at the forefront uh, when the, when right, plans and are being the struggle
1: made. doesn't end in the. Product specifications and the PRD right. and all that analysis—that's just where it starts. Because now you've right. actually attracted the customers, and now the experience not now the majority of the experience—is beginning, right. right? Right. And then we talk
0: about—you uh, know—I I was using the leaky bucket uh, as an example in, in, a, in a recent post that I wrote, and uh, you know, then retention comes into play and, and churn and how do we get repeat customers and how do we increase a uh, uh, lifetime value and, and there's there's so many matrix uh but again i i really really think at the end of the day um and, and i've seen examples in my career and i think there's plenty of, uh, of of examples throughout history um, of companies that were able to and i know now it's like a worn out and it's like a buzzword that everybody uses but this customer obsession or customer centricity or call it whatever you want, but being able to focus on the customer and every single, uh, decision-making, every single planning, every single move that you do, um, like you said, in the planning stage and then after when, when there's an MVP or when you're already, you know, when you already launched your, your product or your service or a new feature, you always have to focus on what's going on with my customers. Is it working? What's the voice of customer? Do I listen to the feedback? Do I make iterations based on feedback? Um, and again, it's very, very difficult, right? Because every single manager and stakeholder in the company, and, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to to bash anyone. We all have our KPIs, and we all have our, uh, you know, end end of quor- end of quarter, end of year goals that we need to meet. Um, but sometimes, um, you know, when we focus on those. Uh, so-called vanity matrix, and we don't think about, okay, what's, you know, what's our customers uh, uh, wanting from us? And are we meeting those expectations? That is the long-term uh, road to success, in my opinion.
1: What what do you get really good at as a leader in customer experience? You know, seeing company after company, seeing all these different examples, watching the, the evolution take place. What do you personally get really good at?
0: So listen, I I, I think Let's let's take the the let's take Wix and Guesty as an example. I've seen at Wix, I've seen a customer obsession when it wasn't even like such a such a big buzzword, really propelling and accelerating the company. Obviously, it wasn't the only contributing factor, right? It was an amazing product and a lot of other things that contributed to the stellar success of the company. But this is a company that was customer centric from day one. And I've seen the contribution uh, to the success of of Wix. Then in Guesty, I've seen how being customer centric and focused on customers helped a, a prop tech company navigate through probably one of the most difficult times for a prop tech company to uh, to operate in, right? Through the through the pandemic, through unforeseeable challenges, and so on and so forth, and that those relationships that the company was able to build with the the customer base uh, was huge in terms of uh, enabling uh, coming out of it even stronger. Um, And so, as I said, I think if companies uh, are able to really stay focused on the customers at any given moment in in their uh, life cycle, Regardless of, uh, do they just raise a huge round of funding or are they just, you know, releasing the first MVP or are they a well-established company that, uh, you know, that has been around for, you know, a decade, two decades, whatever. Once you lose that connection to your customers, it's probably not a good sign.
1: Right. So one of the things that, you know, just about that, that I'm always so curious about, you know, I'm imagining myself in a leadership situation within a startup and I'm, you know, pushing forward and I'm making daily decisions. How do I know when there's red flags that come about, especially when it comes to my users and customers, right? Because sometimes it feels like the like leadership can be so disconnected from from the, the end users who are actually receiving the product and saying, okay, this is right. not what I actually expected, how, so, how can you know startups at, at any stage think through you know what what is what are those red flags? So it's a good
0: question i'll I'll try to give a as simple as answer as I can. Obviously, there's a lot of of other factors uh, that that you know uh, can be involved, but to me, it's finding a good balance between the more hands- on and more more personal experience, and I'll explain what I mean. And the data driven experience, uh, data driven uh, approach. Data driven. I think we all understand. You need to um, be able to have thresholds and have alerts and have very clear KPIs. Um, you know, in a recent interview, I talked about the context per order, which is a KPI that Amazon uh, famously used for many many years. Or in other words, what's the ratio between the interactions? Uh, that I have with my customers to the ratio of orders that I get from my customers, and it's such a simple yet powerful uh, KPI, and it can be uh, translated and mimicked regardless of what uh, uh, company you're working. So that's number one. Data has to be always at the forefront, and then the other side of the coin is the more personal uh, aspect, and. Uh, I always, use, I, I always use the Brian Chesky example. Uh, he was interviewed in, in Masters of Scale by Reid Hoffman, and uh, he's telling about his first days in the Y Combinator. And he's in San Francisco, you know, doing the whole accelerator and and, and that stuff. And then someone asked him like, wait, your, your customers are in New York and you're in San Francisco right now? And this is back in the day when they had like, I don't know, a few dozen hosts and they're all in New York City. The next day is on a flight to New York, knocking on, on the doors of the hosts, sitting down with them for coffee and just listening to them, What what's working for you? What's not working for you? What's your challenges in terms of managing a short-term rental uh, property and so on and so forth? Um, and I think those user interviews uh, are so critical. And sometimes you can have all the data in the world and, and, and amazing uh, BI and, and, and data teams and, and Everything is in place. If you don't also add that personal dimension uh, and create some sort of mix and balance between those two, you're probably missing a lot of uh, very valuable uh, uh, data points and touch points that you want to be able to get like a feel for.
1: But I, I think also what I'm getting from this story that perhaps it's not just about the user interviews and it's about the decision to act quickly. I mean, a huge part right. of this is the unconventional idea that that he'll get on a plane the next day, go to New York, and and sh- and probably shift around a lot of right. priorities to make sure that there is room for this, and that and I think that it comes down to my to you know a deeper question of you know are we uh, you know the, the good leaders uh, do, are these the leaders that know how to prioritize when you know either shit hits the fan and it's too late, but but also know to to periodically check in and prioritize these things above the day to day craze that's happening especially as we're seeing the market today that the expectation is to evolve way faster than your customers can evolve with you and i think that those are some some really interesting points but daron take me back a little bit way way back before special olympics and the schnatsche road growing up what what are you fascinated about i'm I'm guessing it's not the lean startup and and uh, and all these different case studies what were you deeply curious about
0: not yet um it, it may sound funny, but uh, I was deeply, deeply, and I'm still by the way deeply fascinated by Lego. Uh, to this day, I'm an avid Lego collector and wow and, and I build uh, Lego um, all the time. I, I was trying to think about it before before the the interview and and to me what what really drew me and I think what still draws me draws me to Lego, is there's no there's no lim- there's no limits right um yes there's specific uh, packages that you buy and you have a set of instructions and everything is laid out for you but when i was a kid it was like you have you know a mountain full of bricks and you can do whatever you want with them and i know it sounds a bit uh, you know uh, childish but it excites me to this day you know this this um there's no limits. The, there's so many possible. There's endless possibilities. And uh, I just, yeah, I, I haven't, to this day, I have a Lego addiction. Um,
1: Incredible. Yeah. Sources of inspiration for you in the world as you walk around, what, what makes you stop and, you know, we just stop and wonder for a few minutes? So I hope
0: it doesn't sound dark. Uh, I, I, I've come across a lot of inspirational stories, and 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 I and I post a, uh, uh, about a lot of inspirational stories that that touch me. But if we're talking about inspiration as a source of motivation, to me, it's not really inspirational stories of success or or anything like that. I feel like I have an innate fear in me of mediocrity. I just I, I it's it's something that. That haunts me on a daily basis with everything that I do. It's just a genuine fear of mediocrity, and and I know it's again. I know it sounds uh, maybe a bit dark, but to me this is my biggest motivation. Uh, I can I can hear the most inspirational stories, and again I am very fortunate. I hear a lot of inspirational stories probably on a daily basis, but at the end of the day, what really you know puts puts the fire under my you know un- under my bum and and gets me going is that innate fear of mediocrity and maybe failure so
1: okay doron i really really want to thank you this was so enjoyable the time went by way way too fast uh, and i appreciate your time and your energy and your effort and the work that Absolutely. you're doing and I, and i can't wait to continue learning a lot from you and your work so thank you and stay safe and stay healthy i appreciate it thank you so much